And, uh, and Moses said, this is very important, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. I want you to remember that scripture. I will now turn aside. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God at that moment called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. All I want to say to you, and I'm going to get into it in just a moment, is that God is waiting for us to turn aside, and then He'll talk to us. He's waiting for you and I. The Bible even says that Jesus said, if you take one step, I'll take two. If you go one mile, I'm telling you, he'll, if you just begin to step out in faith, you won't believe what God will begin to reveal to you and show you. But He saw whenever He turned aside, that's when God called unto Him. And he said, draw not nigh hither, but put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Amen. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry, by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land, and a large, and unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, he said. I'm calling you, Moses, but I'm calling you to come. Now, therefore, and I will send you unto Pharaoh that you may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we thank you for the privilege and honor it is to be here. God, that your presence has come down. Lord, that you have revealed yourself to us and the Spirit of God has come and you're so wonderful, Lord. And we thank you for your presence and your Spirit. Lord, and that you've already visited us here. Lord, but God, you want to take it a step further, Lord, and minister a word to us that will bring faith. And my prayer this morning, which is very important, because the words that come from my mouth, I want them to be life, and I want them to be potent. But God, I want you to empower my words and speak through me, God, that will minister to every heart in life in this place. Lord, there are people, Lord, at different phases and levels in their walk. Lord, there are some that are mature and they're thriving and they're growing and they're, they're, they're abounding in the things of God. There are those, Lord, that are lost this morning. They've never come, Lord, to really truly surrender unto you. And then there are those, Lord, that are at a place, God, where they know you, they believe in you, they have served you at one time. But God, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And so my prayer this morning is that you will, God, begin to move them and shift in their life. And God, I pray that you'll stir their hearts this morning, that this won't just be another Sunday morning message, but it will be a historical landmark, a pivotal 
shift and change in their lives this morning. And God, that they will be changed and they will, the trajectory, the direction, God, the, 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 the way that they're going, God, will begin to change. And Lord, things will begin to transpire in their life as you shift in their lives. And I thank you, Lord, today. Bless, Lord, this time in the Word. And let it be fruitful, Lord. And we'll give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now I'm preaching this morning and I, I couldn't come up with a title that I was happy with. It just, it just seemed like I'd write something down and then something else. But I put when God comes down. But really the scripture that, that comes to my spirit is uh, whenever God said that he's coming down. But he's going to be shifting. In that scripture I just, he said I'm coming down and I begin to make changes. Uh, so I kind of put this that uh, God's shifting. He's getting ready to shift. He's in the midst of shifting things. Okay? And so I'm preaching this, get ready for the shift of God. Amen? And so we are living in a day that God is moving. Amen? He is shifting things and changing things. And He's doing it quickly. He's doing it quickly. That's how God moves. He hastens to perform His word. And He moves quickly. When God moves, He moves quickly. See, things may lay dormant for a while and seem as if God is nowhere in sight. And then, all of a sudden, He begins to move. He begins to move powerfully. He begins to shift. In this room, there are people God is shifting in your life right now. There are people that are still standing at that burning bush. They've not turned to it yet. But there are people in here this morning. You brought a shift or you responded to a shift in your life. And God is shifting you. Hallelujah. So there's a shifting that's coming. And uh, when God begins to move, He begins to move quickly. In Haggai, I wrote this scripture down. It's so powerful. But in Haggai chapter 2 verse 6, the Bible says this, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Why did I quote that? Because God is the God who is shifting the nations. He's shifting the nations. He's shifting things. He's changing things. And I quoted that scripture because there is a spiritual realm, a heavenly realm, and God rules and reigns in it. The things that we see, I can tell you there's a spiritual realm behind it. Even with the evil and wicked and demonic, there is a spiritual realm behind that. But there is a spiritual realm because God is the ultimate creator and generator of all things spiritual and holy and spiritual and He's behind what's taking place in the world. Ultimately, So I quoted that because I want you to understand that. It's like Paul said in Romans chapter 1. The things that are right there before us visibly seen. He said there's an invisible world, amen, that you don't see that's working behind the scenes. And what he does in that spiritual realm affects the natural. Why are we seeing all of these things? Because there's a shifting that's taking place. 2023 was my year of shifting. And I can tell you what God starts in me, He's going to do in you. 
He's shifting. Are you hearing me? He's shifting. He's moving. It's like that Jenga. If you've ever played that Jenga, or Jenga, however you say it, and you pull things out and nothing seems to change, and you pull something else out and nothing seems to change, but there's that one specific, you know, peg that you pull out and everything hinges on that. That is what is happening. God is moving and He's shifting things. And everything is changing. God is moving and He's shifting in all of us. This is a world-impacting move and, and, and He's doing a great work. Not just moving the nations and changing things. You know, I was thinking about it, I thought, Lord, it just seems like that in all of the nations of the world, at least the ones that are prominent and that are important, and not that other nations are not important, but major world powers, you've got people in high places that there is a wicked and sinister plot behind what they're doing and everything that's happening. And even in some of the politics in the United States, if not a lot of it, but I'm not here to preach politics, but I'm telling you, people in high places, if they don't submit themselves to God, they can become a tool of the enemy to be used to bring wickedness and divisive things that are against God and so you know beware whenever you see people in power because that can go anyway all it takes is for the devil to possess them to become something that you would never dream you would or they would ever become you know people look at Vladimir Putin and I read about how that he not too long ago was a couple years ago but he began to seek out a medium or see Seek out somebody in the occult to try to get some information. I said, I can tell you right now, the moment you open yourself up to that, you are going to begin to be possessed by the devil and you'll become somebody you never dreamed you'd ever become. Hallelujah. And so you've got to stay away from that, but you've got to know this much. God is orchestrating things and putting things in motion and He's moving and shifting. But in the spiritual realm too, let me just excite you this morning. He said, in the last days, amen, as it was in the days spoken by the prophet Joel, He said, I will pour out My Spirit upon all flesh. So God is not only shifting things, but He's shifting His people to become and be filled and operate in the gifts of the Spirit of God, the outpouring of the Spirit of God. He is moving. He's moving. Some of you, He's shifting you from a place where you were bound and you were constantly struggling over things. But now, you are moving in victory. You are moving victorious. You are overcoming. And you're... I need some volume up here. I ain't going to have a voice in five minutes on this monitor. What you see, I don't care how loud it is, let my ears bleed, but you see, amen, you see people, God is moving and He's shifting the type of person they are. He's shifting their character. And some of you are saying, I've never been, over, been able to overcome this. Never. I've always been struggling with this. But for the first time in my life, there's a shift. Oh, hallelujah. I say this so we understand and identify with Moses because he's like every one of us, any one of us. We look and we go, oh, they were patriarchs. They were men before they became patriarchs. They were just average men that God filled and used and called. And we've all been called. You may not be called to be a pastor, 
But we've all been called to minister. We've all been called to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We've all been called to minister everywhere God leads us. We've all been called. Almighty God. Hallelujah. So in reading this, I encourage you to use Moses' life and let it speak to you concerning what God's going to shift and change in you because God brought him to a place of shifting in his life. Forty years old, he left Egypt. Remember he murdered a man? He had something down deep within him. He wanted to see the children of Israel freed. And he said, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Let me tell you something. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What God was saying is, Moses, when you put your hands to it, you bring nothing but death. But whenever you begin to, to see beyond the, the, the natural and that you're, you're not finding a, a flesh and blood war, it's a spiritual giant. It's a Pharaoh. It's a demonic spirit. It's a despot that is set out to destroy God's people. You have to see that. It's not a person. It's a devil. It's a spirit. And you have to know that. But 40 years he kept Jethro's sheep. It's very easy to resign to the fact or believe that those years were in vain. They were not in vain. Some people say, I live for, live for the devil and I've been in sin for 15 years or 20 years or 10 years and I just feel like it was all wasted. And I said, no. I said, God has a perfect time for everything. He makes all things beautiful in His time. So don't resign to the fact and say it was all wasted. 40 years in that in that sheepfold because remember 40 years old he left and he came to Jethro and then for 40 years he was his father-in-law's shepherd for his sheep and a lot of people would think I wasted and lost 40 years no you're just ready for what God's going to do he's getting ready to make something beautiful out of your situation he makes all things beautiful in his time always 40 years as a shepherd made him ripe for an encounter with God. Some people have to come to their end where they say, I'm sick of this. But you would never surrender your life until you say, I'm sick of it. Until you get sick and tired, you'd never surrender your life. Until you come to a place where you say, I can't stand not serving God anymore. I've got to make my way to the Lord. He's shifting. And part of that shift is you've got to be ripe and ready. For your moment of visitation. And when it's your moment of visitation. Nobody has to yank you down to the altar. You'll come down there on your own. You'll surrender your life to Jesus on your own. You'll come. When I say on your own. By the prompting of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But I believe there's some folks sitting here this morning. God is trying to shift you into another place. Hallelujah. So it's critical. If you're going to accomplish his will. His perfect will that you're going to have to have an encounter with Him. And we're all ripe. Amen. At that time for that encounter. All we need. Listen. Oh, this ought to make you shout. All we need is one burning bush encounter. Amen. Hallelujah. All we need is one burning bush encounter. That's all we need. 
Hallelujah. I laugh because we talk, we, we talk with Bella all the time. You know, we're joking about how that when her parents came, the first time they came, you know, Brother Roger brought them and they come in here and, and you know, and, 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 and their, their background, their business people, they're prominent in the community, all of this, and in and, and, and Catholicism. And I remember they came in, I went home and I told Angela, I said, they won't come back. I said, they, they, they have got to think we are nuts. The next Sunday, here they come. I thought, Lord. He said, don't judge a book by its cover. Because just because somebody might say they're religious or they might, uh, you know, begin to say that this is what I've always been, they're hungry for a touch from God. Amen. You don't have to beg people to come to the presence of God. Just get that water stirring. Amen. Just get that river flowing and here they'll come. Praise God. They'll say, I'm tired of dead religion. I'm tired. Amen. Of, of going through all the motions and not seeing God do anything. And then of course, you know, Bella came in and she said, my parents, she said, I don't know what. They've come to this church and I'm telling you, they're crazy. But she came back again and again, and I told my wife, all she needs is just an encounter with God. That's all we need is an encounter with God. There are people sitting in here today. You either said, I'm not going to go to that church, or I'm not going to go back there. But guess what, honey? You're here today. <laughs> all you need is an encounter with God. Woo! Amen. <laughs> We need one burning bush moment and one encounter with God to see what he wants to say. See, Moses didn't see anything till he had that burning bush encounter. And he turned aside. Then God began to bring him to a reality of a spiritual realm. I'm talking to you, Moses. I'm speaking to you. You cannot see the will of God. You cannot see the enemy of God. You cannot see the hurting people. You cannot see the call that God has upon your life until you have that encounter at a burning bush. And you turn aside. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again to even see the kingdom. You want to know why people don't see what you see spiritually? They got to get born again. Because when you get born again, you see what you didn't see before. Hallelujah. You see. You see. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven. Elisha saw the guardian angels around about that hillside. And the, the Syrian army is charging upon them. And his servants over there wringing his hands. And he said, oh my God, open his eyes that he might see. The guardian angels, the host of heavens on that hillside. He doesn't see it. We don't see things until God reveals them to us at that burning bush, at that encounter. And church, you can put that in any application. You may be dealing with something that you just can't seem to get over. And God says, one encounter with me, you'll get over it. I'll bring you, you may be suffering from a spirit of mourning and a cloud of darkness is over your life every day. But God can lift that burden from you 
Amen. He can lift that burden. He can remove that cloud of, of grief and that cloud of sorrow and that cloud of, of depression and sadness. And he can say, come on over here under the shadow of my wing. Amen. The problem is you're just under the wrong shadow. Because some people, you know, wallowing in that, and I say that with all due respect, but staying there and wallowing in that in some way, shape, or form that gives you validation or some kind of a satisfaction, but there's greater satisfaction and fulfillment whenever you come under the shadow of His wing. Amen. Because you're not dark anymore, you're covered. Praise God. Praise God. You see and you look up and you say, I see past all of the hurt. I see it. I see the shadow of His wing. I see my Savior's wing over my life. I see Jesus in all of it. Moses had to encounter God. He had to see God before God could talk to him. You cannot know the heart or the mind of God without an encounter. You cannot. You cannot. You want to know why people go on the street ministry and they weep and cry and they come in here and they pray for hours and seek God for people that are less fortunate than them, than them because they see, amen, what God sees. Jesus said, lift up your eyes. That's a problem. People need to lift up their eyes. They need to lift up their eyes and they need to see what God sees, what he's trying to show them. But you cannot know the heart or the mind of God without an encounter with God or his vision. You're not going to know his vision. You're not going to know his will. You're not going to know the power of God and your position and your standing in God until you see him and he shows you. We focus on the wonder of the supernatural and the burning bush, but it's the God behind it all that needs our attention. Praise God. It's very easy for the enemy to get you focused on the signs and the wonders and the miracles. I said, isn't the God that's behind it more powerful than all of the manifestations? We want the manifestations. We want the Spirit of God to move. I want people to be drawn to an altar. I want people to be delivered. I want them to be healed. I want the miracles. But I don't want us to lose sight and focus on the miracle and not the miracle worker. We've got to know the blessor, the savior, the healer. Not all of those things. They're important. We need them. But focus on the power behind it. Make sure that you do that. We focus on the wonder of the supernatural, the burning bush, and praise God. It's the God behind all of it that needs our attention. When the Lord saw that he turned aside, he called unto him. Some of us never turn aside to see. But my friend, when you do, get ready for the shift. Moses had, Pastor Lee said this, and I'll never forget it. <clears throat> he said, how many burning bushes in perhaps a year's period of time or six months, did Moses see? Some people would say, well, I only saw one. No, that was a sight that people saw in the midst of a hot desert in 120 or however how many uh, the temperature is. A stone or something could create a fire under a tumbleweed or a bush and cause it to catch on fire. That was not a sight that was something that was not that was unusual. It was normal. Periodically you would see that. But the fact that it burned 
that it was on fire and it was a burning bush, but it wasn't being consumed. What God was saying is, Moses, this is my people down there in Egypt. They're in the midst of the fire of trials and tribulation and persecution and captivity or bondage. This is where they're at. But I'm going to send a man of God full of the fire of the Holy Ghost to go down there and begin to see them delivered. It represents you and it represents them, Moses. And it represents me and my power. Now, some of us never turn aside to see that burning bush. I'm telling you, you come into the church and you... You see God's spirit move in the midst of this church and you never move. You never move. You never move. But you know what happens when you move? God begins to, to show you things. He begins to say, you know what? You need to shift. Let me shift your life. Some of you are afraid of the shift. Don't be afraid of the shift. Amen. Amen. I don't know where God's going to take me. Wherever he takes you, you need to go. He's behind it. The shift may be to make you a better husband. The shift may make you a better wife. The shift may be to change you, to bring you to a place of character and God's spirit that you've never been before. Some people have been the same way too long. It needs to change. We need to change. I need to change. We all need to change. And it's been going on way too long. It's time, amen. How long halts you between two opinions is what Elijah said to the people. Not the prophets of Baal, but to God's people. He said, how long halts you between two opinions? How long do you stay at that place where you don't get on with God or go ahead and go on and serve Baal? But you see what happens? He, does, he's a, he is a false God, a false prophet that does not answer by fire. But God answers by fire. And He's the true God. You know, I've often shared this a lot of people. They never really considered it. Maybe they did, but the Lord revealed to me one day through study. And He said, yes, Elijah was running from Jezebel because she said I'm going to murder you but God spoke to me one day and he said preacher he said think about it what have been your harshest moments in your life I said whenever people did not respond at one of the greatest moments in ministry the greatest services where the presence of God was moving the greatest, where the word of God was the most profound and faith was being projected in the spirit of God and his power and grace. And it was, it was motivating, it was challenging, it was powerful. And everybody in the building should have been in the altar, but five people came. He said, you went home and you were absolutely discouraged because people didn't move when they should have. He said, that's exactly how Elijah felt. God, we've just called down fire from heaven and the church is still going, huh? It's time to shift. It's time to look at that burning bush and say, what is this? Let me come over here and do some discovery here and let God show me something. Some people need to get out of their seat and get in an altar. I'm afraid to, Pastor I'm going to tell you, you're going to let the devil leave you 
grounded there in that seat the rest of your life? Hallelujah. Come on. You have to move beyond that fear and say, I'm going to just believe God and get in that altar. Let Him do something in my life. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Turn aside and you will realize that He knows your name. He said, Moses, Moses, what? Oh, I'm getting ready to minister to somebody here this morning. Moses, Moses. Why did he speak Moses twice? Why did he say his name twice? Because he's trying to get your attention. My mom would say, Jonathan, Jonathan. And if she said my middle name, ooh. Jonathan Paul Skiles. He said, Moses, Moses. Why did he say it twice? Trying to get your attention. He's about to reveal something prophetically momentous in your life. What he was saying is, Moses, Moses, listen. Listen. Listen to what I'm getting ready to say to you, Moses. But there's more to this. It was a prophetically momentous event. He was getting ready to share with him, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I've come. I've left the throne of heaven to come down here to speak to you, boy. I've got a call for you. I'm using you. You mean me that stutters and me that has to have somebody speak for me and me that doesn't feel like that I can do anything? Yes, you. God doesn't need anything from you but your ability, your availability. I'm not a, I don't have any abilities, Pastor. Perfect. You're perfect for the job. You're perfect for the job. God will equip you. He'll make you. Hallelujah. He'll do what He desires to do through you, but He can't work through somebody that's prideful. He's got to work through somebody that knows they're nothing so that whenever He does it, He gets the glory. We got too many people in Christendom today, celebrities, and they all think that it's them, but it's not. Amen. It's not. It's the power of God unto salvation. But two times he spoke to him. He knows him as Moses, the shepherd, the little shepherd boy, the little shepherd man, the man that works for his father-in-law. But also now, he said, I'm going to know you as the Moses that's going to be a leading deliverer. Because see, you think that just one specific space and time or season in your life defines you for the rest of your life and it doesn't. Some people have allowed the enemy to always bring them to a place where all they ever feel like is that all I've ever been was just a drug addict. Nobody ever sees you as anything else but a drug addict. Nobody ever sees you as anything but the person that was demon possessed. Nobody ever sees you but the person that never seemed to be able to do anything that made a fool out of themselves. But let me tell you, when God shifts, He says, I know you as Moses, the shepherd, but I know you as Moses that's going to be a delivering leader. You're not just a shepherd. That was a season in your life. But you are going to be a leader, a deliverer that I'm going to send and empower. And what separates you is that you had an encounter with God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He doesn't look at us as where we're at, but where and who we're going to become. And what we're going to be. Amen. 
They make sure all you've ever been was a drug addict or a thug or a, a gang member or a, a pervert or somebody that never amounted to nothing. But God said, I see you where you are going to be. We need to see in the prophetic echo. This is all Jonathan Skiles right here. Well, it's God, but it's the Spirit of God. But he spoke something to me. He said, whenever you say, Moses, Moses, there's a prophetic echo. And he said, because what God speaks is right there in the moment, but there's something prophetically that's down the road. And you've got to hear that prophetic echo. Moses, Moses. Hallelujah. Moses, Moses, it's a prophetic, prophetic utterance that God says. Amen. He says, Kyle, Kyle, you're not the little teenage boy that was in high school that, off, that sometimes was a knucklehead. You're not that person. Amen. You're not that person. You know, you're somebody different today. That's why you don't ever judge anything before it's time. You see somebody, you say, oh, they'll never amount to nothing. Ten years passes by and they're your pastor. I had a girl in high school, and when she saw me, she said, well, she said, I'm glad you finally got right with God. And I thought, I've been serving God for 20 years, okay. I got right with God. The Lord said, she sees you the way you were. She don't know anything about you and how you got where you're at today in me. So we have to understand, he knew him as Moses the shepherd, but Moses the delivering leader is what he's speaking to him. That's why he said it twice, what we will become. There's a greater elevation that God was taking him to. And we need ears to hear, eyes to see and perceive and understand. And know that God sees something beyond where we're at. There is a prophetic echo. Because God doesn't have to speak twice. When Jesus said it is finished, it's been echoing throughout the portals of time. We don't have to, the blood still flows. Did you hear me? I'm, I'm saying things, you guys are like, huh, listen. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, that means you can come to the foot of the cross and that same word is still echoing today. God speaks and it stands for eternity. Amen. Amen. How we hear God speak where we are at, but never hear that second name. I can tell you we need to hear the second name. Or we need to hear the prophetic sound of what God spoke. Because he calls those things that are not as though they were. You say, I am not what you're saying I am. Not yet. God's shifting some people. He's saying, I'm moving you into a place and I'm showing you that I got something better and greater for you. Amen. I've got something so awesome for you and you've got to encounter me and watch as I bring you there. Praise God. Praise God. He's not just wanting to save you. 
and justify you. But he wants to bring you to see your future in him. In Christ. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard. Neither is it entered into the mind, the heart of man, what God has prepared for them that love him. He said, you don't even know the thoughts and plans that I've got for you. You don't even see that except God show you prophetically and he will. Our experience cannot be limited. Okay, listen. Because I'm talking to you about the person that you are or where you were and where God's, or where you are and where God's speaking you're going to go. This is what happened at that burning bush. But it applies in our spiritual life too. It applies. God didn't just, uh, He's not just wanting to, to, to save us and justify us only. But bring us into a place of victory. Bring us into our future. I'm going to give you something that hopefully will help you to understand this. Our experience cannot be limited to woman, where are thine accusers? Neither accuse I thee. And everybody goes, oh, I'm free. I said, hold on, finish it, hun. Go and sin no more. So there is a justification and a redemption and a salvation work that God does. And there are people that sit there at that scripture and they never move. They never move into the fullness of the victory in God and the power of the Spirit of God and go and sin no more. I'm going to tell you something. God does not want us constantly being on repeat. He doesn't want us to be a broken record. Are you tired of being a broken record? It's time to shift. Amen. It's time to move on into the perfection of God and the Spirit of God and sanctification. It's time to move on in the shifting to come. And so don't get caught up in just staying at that place of woman where are thine accusers neither accuse I thee. Okay, Lord Jesus, you set me free. You don't accuse me. Praise God. Now go and sin no more. Don't stay at that same place. What's powerful is when God shifts, everything gets adjusted. Moses learned of a holy God and that he receives us, welcomes us, even in our defiled state. But he said, Moses... I got to tell you something. Before you approach here, you need to take off your shoes. Take off your sandals. Take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. Moses learned of a holy God and that even though he receives us and welcomes us in a defiled state, he brings us in to change us and that change has to come. You listen. You cannot add Jesus to what you are. You can't continue in a sinful life and say, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I bring my Bible. I've got my Christian badge. But I'm still going to live the same way I've been living. There has to be a change. There has to be repentance. There has to be this change that takes place. And He receives you and accepts us all in our defiled state. But He says, I want to change you. You can't stay that way if you're going to move into the holy things of God. So the shift in some people's life today is just that he's trying to get you to move from a place where you've made your own set of rules and your own belief system and your own obedience and start obeying God. My dad used to say, there was an old country song, me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. No, you don't. just goes to show how young everybody is in here. They don't get it. 
I can tell you, brother, buddy, got it. There's different ones in here. They got it. Old country singer, me and Jesus got our own thing going. No, you do not. No, you do not. He's not your little buddy. He's not the man upstairs. He said, you want to move in closer and me talk to you and call you? We got to get one thing straight here. I'm a holy God. And I am not going to begin to expend anything to you except you come in obedience and fear before me. I'm going to show you it's in the word of God. We don't have our own thing going. We have going what God calls us to. And that's not legalism. People say, oh, that's legalism. I said, no, it's not. I said, when God preaches or through his word and tells us that we are to come out from among them and be separate, we can't live a life of sin. That's not legalism. That's the Bible. That's obedience. You can't make up your own set of rules. You can't just say, well, this is, you know, this is, this is my understanding of God. No, our understanding of God's right here. This is the word of God. And so, but Moses began to understand this and learn this. If we are to move closer, that has to be removed, that sinful position. He said, those sandals represent you out there in that world. And if you're going to come in close to me, that world's got to stay behind. Are you hearing me? It cannot. You want to know why there's so much confusion in the church? Because people can't make up their mind whether they're going to serve God or they're going to be in and out and lukewarm. The lukewarmness has, has got to stop because God's not pleased with that. He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. I'm just being straight with you and telling you what the word of God says. But there is an approach to God. It's a reverent approach. It's removal of all things that are unclean. And these shoes represent the defilement of the world. And when you come obedient and surrendered and submitted, he draws you in even closer. So take off those shoes and lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset you. But people are going to think I'm strange or square or whatever. If I separate, I said, did God tell you to do it? Then you better do it. You better do it. Amen. I think it was Angela's grandma. I'm telling you, I believe it was grandma. That she didn't want no cards in her house. No playing cards. Ain't going to be no playing cards in my house. I said, Grandma, it's, no, that may be all right for you, but this is my house. I want none of them cards in here. I thought, okay. She had a conviction. I'm going to tell you something. She had a Holy Ghost fire too. Amen. Don't discount Granny. I can tell you she prayed us all through the victory. You go, oh, well, you know, you don't have to be that. I, I, I. I get what you're saying, but I'm going to tell you right now, people have what they have because of what they've done in obedience unto God because of the standard that they have. A holy separation and standard. Amen. I know there's things that can be legalistic, but there's things that people consider legalistic that are just sin. Sin. I'm like, you can't, you can't be shacking up with whoever it is and them not be your spouse. Oh, that's legalistic. No, that's called fornication. Say it again, pastor. Okay. Amen. You know? So, oh, that's legal. I said, no, that's, that's, that's called adultery and fornication. Amen. You just, you, there's things that people, they, 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 they blast legalism. I said, it's not legalism. It's called sin. 
Amen. It's called sin. And, but I want you to see something here today. Look what happened. God began to reveal to Moses the moment he took those shoes off. The depth of his covenant. He said in verse 6, he said, moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. The... And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. What is God saying here? He said, when you come before me in my presence, you begin to separate yourself unto me, consecrate yourself unto me. You respond to that call, to that burning bush, the voice that's speaking. And I'm telling you and revealing to you the things that only I can show to you that are my will. I'm showing you a spiritual world. I'm showing you that there is a, a Pharaoh in, in, in Egypt that is destroying my people. There's a groan. There's a cry. There's an oppression. And God is saying, listen to me. I'm a God of covenant I'm a God that's speaking to you and revealing to you the depth of my covenant I am the God amen of Abraham of Isaac and the God of Jacob and I am still the God of my people Israel and I'm trying to show you Moses the God that's talking to you is the one that never breaks his covenant he keeps it to a thousand generations so Moses learned about holiness he learned how to have a healthy fear of God and in verse 7, God revealed his compassion. He said, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. <clears throat> surely he has borne our sorrows. Don't you think for one second and believe the lie of hell, God does not understand my sorrows. He understands the depth of your sorrows. Amen. There are people that are going through sorrows because of the decisions that they made. And God still has compassion on your sorrows. But he wants you to understand that those sorrows are not something that you are to pamper and nurture and pet around on. Those sorrows are there because of sin. So part of that needs to be that God, I'm sorry for the way that I have responded and acting as if you know the 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 judgment or the punishment or the sorrow and the trouble and and uh you know that I have went through in my life is something that you're going to come down here and you're going to wallow in with me he's not you know people are are they become you know caught up and 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 the consequences of their sin and God doesn't want you to live there and stay there, but he also doesn't want you to make a shrine out of that either. That's a whole lot different than somebody that's lost a child. That's a different kind of sorrow. That's a sorrow that they had nothing to do with. It's, it's just part of the, the curse and of sin and of, of, of the curse and the fall of man. But we need to say, you know what? I'm not going to let the enemy... After I've asked God to forgive me and help me, I'm not going to let the enemy, the enemy continue to keep me at this place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Keep me at this place where he's still, he's still the one that is orchestrating things and he's putting things in my mind. I'm not going to sit here and allow him to continue even after I've given my heart and life to Jesus. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to allow victim, victimhood to become now my platform that I stand upon. 
Because I'm telling you right now, you'll never live in victory if you stay in victimhood. Amen. You need to get in victory land, not victim land. Praise God. And I'm just being straight with you because I've been in victim land. I've been there. I lived there. I camped there at times in my life. And God said, how long are you going to sit here? How long are you going to wait here? How long are you going to stay here in this place? Because I want to move you over here into a place of victory. But you got to make a decision when you've had an encounter with me that that's where you're going to go. Because otherwise you'll stay there and you'll never live in victory. And every song that comes up about that kind of, 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 of situation or that kind of thing that you're going through, that'll be the song that you respond to. You won't respond to the victories in Jesus. Amen. Come on now. God's trying to shift us. He's trying to shift us. And the Bible says that he revealed his compassion and his observance of the children of Israel. And he said, I see them in their sorrow. I see them. I know their sorrows. And I've come down to deliver them. He said they're in oppression in verse 9. And the Egyptians oppress them. God brings us into a place where he shows us. And he does something in us, which he did in Moses. But then he said, this is what I want to do through you. We cannot just get caught up in what he does in us, but what he's going to do through us. And his response is, I've come down to deliver them. And not only to deliver, but bring them up out and into a good land, a large land, flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to feed them. I'm going to bless them. There's going to be a time and a space and a season of great blessing in their life. And I'm calling you, Moses. What? Me? Yeah. You. Some people never move past just that momentary excitement and sensationalism of the encounter. They don't do like Isaiah did when he said, here am I, use me, Lord. First thing he had to realize is I'm a man of unclean lips. Okay, let God do something about that. You do something about that. Submit to him. And he said, Moses, I shared all of this with you. We've had an encounter. I'm shifting you, son. You're going to go, what, me? Me? Yeah, you. You. I'm sending you. God's shifting some of us. From unbelief to faith. Our prayer needs to be, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Help thou my unbelief. Amen. I'm going to tell you something, sis. That house. Every time I drive by that thing, I say, Lord, that's her house. Amen. That's hers. That's hers. I quote your name every time. I say, Lord, amen. That is Mama Andrea. That is Leonard, that is Christine, and that is Rachel's house right there. That's theirs. I'm believing that. I'm trusting in that. I'm holding on to that promise. Amen. I'm holding on to that promise. I'm believing God. I'm speaking that. God, you're doing something. You're shifting them. You're bringing them into a new season in their life. A new, I mean a new territory. Amen. A new place. Praise God. A new place. You're doing something. You, and the Lord just spoke in my heart. He said, I want to bless them. I want to bless them. I want to bring them to a place. And, to, you know, and he's doing that. And if he's done it for Kyle, and if he does it for uh, Amber and Lorenzo and if he, he does it for other people he's going to do it for you amen he's going to do it for you 
We're just in a momentary waiting period. Because it's coming. And you know, God's so faithful. He said, I put a roof over their heads. Nobody's, nobody's without a place to live. I put a roof over their heads. Because he's faithful. He's shifting. He's shifting. It's an awesome thing what he's doing. I love this. Let me finish this. Moses responded in verse 10 after God told him this is what's going to happen. He said, who am I? Amen. Who am I? That needs to be changed to you are the I am. Who am I to deserve something like this? Who is God? I can tell you he's the I am. He's going to do it in you. I certainly, he said, will be with you. And this shall be a token and evidence of his Holy Ghost is the token that God gives us. This world is shifting because God's moving in the heavens. I said, Lord, how in the world did Israel, the greatest intelligent source on the planet, really, with one of the greatest militaries and armies, as small as they are. They took our planes. I know this from working in aerospace. They took our planes, and they made a better. They took out the operating systems, and they put their own in there. They made them better. How did this happen? He said, I am shifting and moving things. Amen. God is doing something. And he said, listen to me, children, listen. He said, what's taking place is not just Israel being at war and have been attacked. I'm changing things because I cannot bring to pass my perfect will and biblical prophecy except things begin to shift and change. Bring it down to where you're at. Because we look at Moses and he goes, he was a leader and God, we only hear about his encounter. And you don't know what Joshebed, his mother, had. The Bible doesn't say. We only read these encounters that are recorded in the Bible, like Gideon's and, and, and different ones, David's. And, but everybody can have an encounter with God. They should. Bring it down to, just, you got to know this. This is not just about Moses' leader. There's just not specific elite people that have an encounter with God. We all do. We all can. Because every person in Israel was a part of what God was doing. Every person had to get on board and, ex and, and make a mass exodus or stay there in Egypt. Praise God. But God said, Moses, I'm showing you some things. I'm going to send you down there to be a deliverer. And he had to correct some things. One of the things that he did was he went to his pastor. He went to Jethro and he said, this is what God's called me. He said, go, go. Go with blessing. Then God said, you know, Moses, there's something that you never really did. And you are an Israelite. And you know enough of my word to know this. That boy of yours, he needs to be circumcised, son. You need to be obedient in every area of your life, what he was saying. The removal of that flesh, it all represents removal of the flesh and obedience and covenant. That's what circumcision was. It was a covenant that God made. I don't understand why and all that, but I'm just going to tell you right now that that was the covenant that God made. Circumcise that flesh. 
it because it, it represents you know um, it represents the flesh and remove that you are circumcised you are people that are different amen Christians are people that are supposed to have that heart circumcised that flesh removed praise God God puts in that heart that feels that spiritual heart there's a problem hardness of the heart you know what that is all that is is a shield placed in front of that heart because if the devil Everything in that Bible. The devil's a master counterfeiter. He has nothing original. Nothing. There's nothing original. He is a counterfeiter. Master. God said the hardness of that heart is when somebody puts up a shield in front of that. The shield of faith is that which stands to quench every fiery dart of the wicked. Well, the shield that's put in front of a hardened heart is a shield that says, I'm not going to allow the word of God and faith to penetrate. So God has given somebody or somebody's in this church this morning a word, and he's saying, drop the shield. Drop the shield from in front of your heart. Be vulnerable. I don't want to be vulnerable, Pastor. Then you're never going to see God move in your life. But until you come and you say, this shield is removed, God, I just want you. You have no idea what God wants to do in your life. You have no idea. I sat there on that church chair in that pew that morning when my pastor was preaching, and I sat there, and I thought, Lord, my engines are just revving. I want to be down there in that altar so bad, but oh, I'm afraid to go. I'm scared to go. Not scared because of any other reason, but just because it's just something that's foreign to me. I've never done it before. I, I, I just, I don't, and God said, when are you going to make your move? And the moment I got up and I went down there, I thought, Lord, why did I wait so long? You did something in me, and I found God in my youth. In my youth. And I didn't have to go through the things in my life as a rite of passage and make all the mistakes that my parents made. I didn't have to go through that. I didn't have to go through the season of rebellion and all the things that kids seem to go through before they finally wake up one day in the hog pen and say, it's better in my father's house. Let me go back. No. I got right at 17, and my life was never the same. And God did a shift in my life. I remember I went home, and my family was like, what happened to you? I said, I got saved. Immediately, there was a shift in the atmosphere in that place because light came in the room. Amen. Praise God. There was a shift with my friends. There was a shift on my job. There was a shift in my life. God was doing something powerful, and he wants to do that shifting in everyone sitting in this room. Some of you, you're experiencing the shifting right now. God is moving and shifting in your life. You're like, I'm not where I was a year ago. Praise God. Amen. I'm not who I used to be a year ago. Praise God. I'm not doing the things I was doing a year ago. Praise God. I'm different because God has shifted. And he wants to peel off layer by layer and bring you into that place where he reveals himself to you. Will you let him shift you? Shift. Move. He said, the first thing you got to do is he said, you've got to turn aside. What is this? Some of you are sitting in here and all you got to do is say, you know what? There's a burning bush. God's trying to talk to me. I got to go up there and I got to Move in closer. 
That's that altar. He's saying, come. Amen. Let me begin to deliver you and set you free and cleanse you and change you. Let me do that. As you obey, lay it all down. He will save you. Are you ready for the shift? It's up to you. Pastor's not going to drag you by the nap of the neck down here. And nobody else is either. God wants to draw you. Will you let him? Some of you this morning, your cries, I need change. Just put shift there. I need a shift. Something different. God's doing it in the natural, in the spiritual realm, and the natural's burping it out. And he said, I'm trying to do it in you. Let him be. Let it be. Let it happen. Thank you, Lord, this morning. Oh, Father, Sister Lupe, would you come? Would you come? Father, this morning, as we come before you, I just pray, Lord, that you will minister to this body this morning. Lord, there are people, there are young people sitting in this room this morning. There are young people that are sitting in this room this morning, young adults. There are people that have been stuck at a place. And God, this morning is their day. This morning is their moment of visitation. This is their time. This is their season. This is their burning bush moment. And God, I am asking you to draw them by your Spirit. Lord, if for but just a second you say to them this morning, there's something better that I have than where you're at. The lonely nights, the emptiness, the sorrow, the darkness, the hurt, the rejection, the pain, the void. God is saying to you this morning, I'm trying to bring you out of that. Let me do a work in your life. Oh God, draw by